When you get to be my age, you'll be thankful for the time you had with your siblings. Katara Bending Not Breaking The Gifts of Imperfection Edition Episode 6, Guidepost 4 Cultivating Gratitude and Joy Letting Go of Scarcity and Fear of the Dark Welcome back to Bending Not Breaking. This is Ben Pruitt, your host for this mini-series on The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And we are featuring Avatar The Last Airbender content and the whole Avatar universe. Today's episode is episode six of the series, and today's topic really had me develop some new habits after I read it for the first time, which was about ten years ago. And I am, I gotta say, I'm, I'm different today because of these habits. And I just, I look forward to diving into this with you and engaging this content with you all. So as mentioned previously, you do not necessarily need to read the text in order to listen and engage with these episodes. And that being said, it's still our source text, right? So there's going to be a lot of content there that can help deepen our collective understanding. So if you're interested in in diving in more to these topics, I do recommend reading The Gifts of Imperfection. And just like understanding the book will be enhanced um, by having read it, our knowledge of these episodes will also have um, deep Uh, implications based off our knowledge and understanding of Avatar The Last Airbender and that whole universe, including Korra, the comics, the Kyoshi novels, etc. So, moral of the story is, uh, we'll be engaging the full canon uh, in all of them, and uh, if you're reading along, keep in mind that this is uh, the chapter on Guidepost 4, which in the 10th anniversary edition is pages 101 through 112. And just to be a nice signposting kind of a deal, next week, as you may have guessed, we'll be focused on Guidepost 5, and that will be pages 113 through 119. And now that we've had a chance to discuss a few of these chapters and a few of these guideposts, I wanted to remind listeners that there is an offering on our Patreon that is an exclusive opportunity in which people can meet with me virtually one-on-one, and what we'll do is we'll engage the Avatar universe and the guideposts to wholehearted living in this book. And what we'll do is, uh, my goal is to accompany you and walk with you on your own personal growth journey as you kind of grapple with these guideposts and how to incorporate them into your life. Lives. That was live. Live? That was weird. Anyway, incorporate them into your lives. And so we'll be kind of uh, using the fantasy verse of Avatar alongside these guideposts to help Uh, you move through them and help you um, begin to cultivate these practices. If you're interested in more information, feel free to email to me directly at thearcofe at gmail.com. If you're curious about other perks, which there are several, uh, you can also check us out at bnb underscore pod on Patreon. Okay, here we go. We're diving into the content. Today's content is all about gratitude and joy and the things that get in the way of gratitude and joy right so but like first let's start with 
my wholehearted journey through the wholehearted inventory. And again, uh, reminding you all that you can take the wholehearted inventory. It's a free assessment on Brene Brown's website. So uh, my score on this is right around the halfway point. And I feel like this is a recurring trend so far, but uh, some of them have been below half, but this one's like right around half. And honestly, I feel like I do pretty well at gratitude. And I also feel like I do scarcity really well in a bad way. <laughs> so I, scarcity, I think, is the thing that dropped me down on this on this scoring assessment. And so I, I think that's where I have the most to improve. And that's something I want to be mindful of as we dive into this content. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about you all. What are, what are the things that you feel like you can work on as you engage this content? Um, so that as we go through these, these topics, we might be able to lean into those moments a little bit more so that we can cultivate some awareness around that. I think I've been saying cultivate a lot recently, and I think it's because of the work that we're doing on this podcast where we're talking about cultivating all these things. And I've, I just used it in one of my papers for school, and it's just it's a, a buzzword nowadays, cultivate. Uh, so anyway, that's just an aside. So today we're talking about joy and gratitude, right? So the, the, there are three things that Brene Brown kind of highlights very early on uh, in terms of the relationship between joy and gratitude. First, joy stems from gratitude. It is inextricably connected to gratitude. And so that's kind of the first kind of tenet when you think about these two, you can't really separate one from the other. Uh, over the course of the data that she collected over several years and the data since then, so an additional 10 years of data since she's written the book, uh, all of the data has supported this. And so without exception, when people spoke of joy, they spoke of gratitude also, which is pretty remarkable. Two, the second thing, and this is why I held off from talking about it last episode, uh, spiritual practice in which we are bound to a belief in human interconnectedness and power greater than us is what joy is, right? So joy is a spiritual practice bound to a belief in human interconnectedness and a power greater than us. And this kind of leans into Brene Brown's definition of spirituality, which comes from the previous chapter. And here it is. Spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power that is greater than all of us, and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, meaning, and purpose to our lives. So, with this definition, it's important to recognize that when we say that joy is a spiritual practice, it is a practice that is spiritual because it is celebrating and it is reveling in the fact that we are inextricably connected to each other and that connection is greater than we are. So for some people, I think it's worth like discussing what this idea and unpacking what spirituality is because it's a major component of what makes resilience possible. It's a major component of uh, joy and gratitude. And so I wanted to kind of lift up and expound a little bit on it. And 
Uh, Brene Brown actually wrote a blog post on this where people were asking questions, right? If, you know, gratitude and joy or uh, in reference to her other book, if rising strong is a spiritual practice, does that mean that atheists can't rise strong or be wholehearted or practice these, these spiritual practices? And then the following question is, if we can, does that mean that like you watered down the definition of spirituality to the point that it has no meaning? And this is her response. For some people, that power greater than us is God. For others, it's fishing. Some are reminded of our extricable connection by faith, others by expressions of shared humanity. Some find that religion is the best expression of an inexplicable uh, human connection that is guided by love and compassion. And then others believe that no entity has done more to corrode that connection than organized religion, right? And so I, I think that it's important to recognize that Spirituality does not mean that you're going to church every day or that you're in synagogue or that you're going to your mosque or praying seven times a day. What it means is you have found some sort of grounded connection to others in your life and you believe that you are connected by something that is greater than you are to other people. And that might be science. It might be that you see uh, the world as connected to you. It might be, like, there are so many different ways it can happen. And so I just wanted to lift that up for you. And, like, what, what connects you to other people, right? And often we will find that we are more spiritual than we realize if we haven't contemplated that before. But the reason I lift it up again is it's is that joy and gratitude are spiritual practices. And that's something that throws people off, right? Because a lot of people will be like, no! Um, and it's okay if you want to challenge that. Please do. Send us a voicemail. Tell us about it. Um, but I think that the way it's framed is that in this text is that it is a spiritual practice. So, uh, And I think that's why it's so important for resilience which is why we uh, kind of wanted to talk about it this episode instead of last episode. Um, because joy and gratitude, practicing gratitude and, and cultivating joy is a form of developing the resilience that we talked about last episode. And that's uh, something we're going to talk on and touch on a little bit later. So I just wanted to give you a little, little, little sneak peek. So that's two things that she starts with, uh, the relationship between joy and gratitude. One stems from gratitude, joy stems from gratitude. Two, their spiritual practices. Three, clarifying that happiness and joy are not the same thing, right? Uh, the difference is happiness is the pleasure derived based upon circumstance, whereas joy is kind of defined as this spiritual way of engaging the world connected to gratitude. And again, if you go back to like the real definition, joy is a deep, intense feeling of spiritual connection and gratitude. And that's kind of how it's defined. And it's not necessarily something that we experience constantly. It's something that comes and it goes. But I, I think it's worth uh, identifying that. And, and speaking of that, it's important to realize that like, but let's stem from, let's start with gratitude for a second. Gratitude must be a practice, 
not a an attitude. Like gratitude without practice for our faith folks is a lot like faith without works, right? Um, it's not alive. It's just rhetorical or theoretical if we aren't actually putting it into practice, right? If it's just happening in our head and not, it's like something we're aspiring to, but not actually like doubling down on and practicing and doing the things that we're talking about, then what, what's the point, right? Um, so, and I, and I think about a few things, like what would it be like <laughs> if, if Aang and Korra never practiced their bending? They would be terrible benders. They would be terrible avatars. They wouldn't be able to do any of the bending that they have needed to do in order to help the world grow and maintain balance, right? And I, I think that it's something to be mindful of, right? We can't do things unless we incorporate them into practice, unless we develop the skills we need, right? Like, imagine if Aang was just immediately born good at bending, never had to practice to become a master, and we wouldn't have a show, right? I'm so thankful for the fact that we have a show, right? That we had to see him struggle, that we got, that we get to see him, uh, we get to see these small moments of joy that it brings me. And let's be real, like, it's, it's the moments that make me feel happy. It's the moments that make me feel grateful. It's the moments that make me feel sad. All of the moments that we see with Aang along his journey enrich my experience. All the moments we see of Kiyoshi growing and, and struggling make those books good. They enrich our experience. And so I think that it's the same with gratitude. If we're like, oh, gratitude's cool, but we never do it, <laughs> then we will never aspire to become who we could be and it will, ne- it will not have any effect on our lives. So gratitude, practice, very important. Joy, right? It comes and stems and is connected to gratitude. And I think that if we look at the Greek root of the word joy, which is Cairo, it means like this, the culmination of being and also like the good mood of the soul. And uh, Brene Brown references a theologian in the text, and they surmise that joy is only found in God. And again, for those of us that are spiritual but not thinking of that uh, inextricable connection grounded in a power that is greater than ourselves as God, then what is that power? And perhaps then joy is only found in that power, right? Uh, that's kind of what I think this theologian is suggesting. Which, again, presupposes that we all need to reckon with our spirituality in order to encounter joy. And again, I would love to hear uh, opposing thoughts on this or challenge, like things that may uh, brush up against this or is adjacent to this around what you perceive joy to be. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can send us voice memos that are two minutes or less uh, to thearcofe at gmail.com. So from here, Brene Brown kind of talks about twinkle lights as a metaphor. And she says that they're the perfect metaphor for joy because joy isn't constant, right? It comes to us in these moments, and they're often ordinary moments. 
and sometimes we miss out on the bursts of joy because we're too busy chasing down the extraordinary. I'm just saying that hit me real hard. Uh, And then other times we're so afraid of the dark that we don't let ourselves enjoy the light. And I, I think that that kind of results in like two extremes. One, could you imagine if someone was just joyful all of the time? It would be like a flood light and it would be like so much light. I'd be like, ah, too much. And then like it's the same thing when it's the opposite, like not no light, right? Over a longer period of time would be, would be really tough to endure, right? So no light is not enough. Flood light is too much. Where's the balance? So like, could you imagine Cora? as being just constantly joyful, right? Where every moment there's pure joy. Like, I just, I can't even do it. Like, even Aang, who is, I would imagine, like, a very happy-go-lucky and, um, but but it's not like joy-go-lucky, right? It's like happy person. But he struggles. Like, there's a reason it's so good is because we see him struggle too. Like, okay, let's dive even further. Like, what about Toph, right? Like, don't make me laugh. It's, (laughs) it's, like, I... I can think of moments for each of them that I would describe as joyful. However, part of the human experience is that we are experiencing multiple things and joy cannot be what we're enduring all the time. So, I'm very interested, again, in a voicemail of a time where you think a character is experiencing joy. And feel free to tell us about it and send us that voice memo again, thearkaby at gmail.com. I would love to learn about this from you and share that with, with other people and our other listeners. Okay, so if we have this idea, we need to realize that we got to cultivate these practices that lead to joyfulness and using especially gratitude to cultivate joy as a practice. To do that, what we need to realize is what gets in the way of gratitude and joy. And we have to stem from this idea that vulnerability is the birthplace of all the good things, right? It's the birthplace of gratitude, joy, love, but it's also the birthplace of anxiety, fear, and scarcity, and like all the bad stuff too. And so the way we engage with vulnerability is really important. And here's the deal. Joy and gratitude, incredibly vulnerable. Since we are like an anxious bunch of people, and many of us have a fairly low tolerance for vulnerability, what happens is the anxiety of vulnerability often leads to this manifestation of fear and scarcity. And these are the things that get in the way. And that kind of sounds like this, like, I'm not going to allow myself to feel this joy because it won't last. Or acknowledging how grateful I am is just an invitation for disaster. Or I'd rather not be joyful than wait for the other shoe to drop. And I ask you, how many of us have loved someone deeply And when we're with them, we're thinking about them to only then imagine something terrible happening to them. Like I imagine a parent standing over a child that they love dearly and, you know, they just fell asleep and they're after reading a bedtime story and the parent is just like in just 
enraptured with how much they care about their child. And then all of a sudden they're like, what if this happened to them? And I, I think what happens in our brains is because joy is so vulnerable, it's so intense. We immediately try to like cut our losses for when that joy is cut out from under us. And that's really a struggle that I think many of us go through. And here's a, an example of this. I'm going to tell you a story, invite you into my scene, and I want you to tell me what happens at the end. So here's some story time. Imagine this scene with the gang. So they are approaching a village in the distance, and Appa's in a good mood. Saka and Momo are eating delicious fruit. Katara and Toph are laughing at a joke. Aang just told they're flying during a clear day with perfect weather. And then just as they land, what happens? Now, I imagine many of our listeners went everywhere from, you know, the village got on fire or the town leader, mayor, comes in and runs up to Aang and says, we need your help, or the Fire Nation attacks, or something happened where this moment of everything was just too good, right? And, you know, some of us may not have thought that, but I imagine that many of us did go to a worst-case scenarios kind of situation. And this kind of response is called foreboding joy, where again, things are going too well. So we imagine the worst case scenario. And then like, just to bring in another like story and fantasy series, there are (laughs) things like Game of Thrones where we are trained to assume the worst thing will happen. And then something worse than what we could have ever assumed happens instead. And it just like only makes it worse, but more like, and I think that's why it was such a good series is that like it, surpassed our expectations of terrible. (laughs) And when I say good series, I mean, yes, it captured our attention, but at the same time, I had physical responses from watching that that show. It was really made an impact on my body. Anyway, that's an aside. I digress. Moral of the story, I think, is that it's, it's not that the dark destroys the light. In fact, the darkness that we experience kind of defines it because it allows us to know what we need to be grateful for and what we can be grateful for and what we can honor with our gratitude. Rather, it's our fear that casts our joy into the shadows, right? It's our foreboding joy. It's the fears that emerge that cast our joy into the shadows. So when that happens, when when that foreboding joy happens, it's important to again, be aware that that's happening to us because oftentimes when that does happen, we don't even know it's happening inside of our brains. We just jump to it. And so again, when we're experiencing that warm wash of joy and that chill comes over us that is so terrifying, it's then saying, this is really vulnerable. It's really hard and that's okay. And I'm really grateful that I get to spend this time with my child right now or my loved one right now or whatever it may be, right? And it's introducing gratitude into those moments that really makes all the difference. Oof. So we've talked about the dark. 
and now we need to talk about scarcity. And scarcity is essentially, these are the thoughts, the not enough thoughts that we have. And I wanted to kind of introduce this quote from Lynn Twist that Brene Brown uses. Um, and if you're following along in the book, that's on page 109. So this is the quote. For me and for many of us, our first thought waking up is I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is I don't have enough time. Whether true or not, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. We don't have enough exercise. We don't have enough work. We don't have enough profits. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough wilderness. We don't have enough weekends. And of course, we don't have enough money, ever. We're not thin enough, smart enough, we're not pretty enough, fit enough, educated or successful enough, or rich enough, ever. Before we even sit up in bed, before our feet touch the floor, we are already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. And by the time we go to bed at night, our minds race with a litany of what we didn't get or didn't get done that day. We go to sleep, burdened by those thoughts, and wake up to the reverie of whack. What begins as a simple expression of hurried life, or even the challenged life, grows into the great justification for an unfulfilled life. And I'm like, oof, like that is tough stuff right there, y'all. I'm just, man, that's me. <laughs> and I, I definitely struggle with this. And it's it's this moment of, when we encounter that, what do we do with it? When we encounter that never enough statement, we need to become aware and that be like kind of a red flag so that we can start to question it, right? We can start to be like, but I am grateful for, right? And at first, like, I don't want to make it sound like gratitude is the answer to everything. And I don't want to say, well, just be grateful. Like that's not how it works, right? But I do think we can cultivate gratitude as a practice and over time, that will cultivate more joy in our lives, for sure. And so this, this moment of scarcity that Lynn Twist kind of introduces to us reminds me of Aang during Nightmares and Daydreams. So season three, when he's like doing all of this practice for Ozai and the constant shame tape in his head is, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough bending. I haven't practiced enough. Like he is constantly in this never enough mindset. And he literally starts to have like daydreams because he's not getting enough sleep because his nightmares are tormenting him, right? So just as kind of Lynn Twist described, Aang was grappling with this never enough in this whole episode. And that's why I think so many people dislike this episode. It is a manifestation of what we are so uncomfortable with, right? This is one of the regarded episodes of ones that's just not that great. And I'm just saying, this is a really tough episode because it's highlighting what happens when we let scarcity run our lives, right? Oof. And so again, if we are fearful that we will lose what we love most, then we are likely to develop scarcity as our mode of engaging the world. And in a way, it makes us think that we will hurt less if we avoid gratitude and joy because we won't fall as far down. And again, the data suggests otherwise, like from the writing this book, right? 
was written based off of a lot of data. And then over the past 10 years since, the more we lean to gratitude and joy, the more resilient we become. The data is suggesting that. And so it is gratitude and joy that sustain our resilience, not avoiding gratitude and joy. And again, if you're curious about the the data when I say that, um, again, she references uh, the data in her book, and she has a kind of explanation of the data in the back of it. And her the, the theory that she uses is called grounded theory, if you want to do some research on that. And so kind of our last deal is when we let go of scarcity, we can discover our enoughness. We can discover our sufficiency. And I think that is something that we're all aiming for. And I think one of the ways we do it is by cultivating gratitude joy. So that brings us kind of to the end of our episode. What I want to do is give you some music and then come back and we'll dive dig, dive deep into some digging. Dive dig, div dive, dive. Okay, we'll come back in a minute. Digging, which is getting deliberate, getting inspired, and getting going. D-I-G. And again, these come from the back of each guidepost, the last kind of couple of pages of each guidepost. So Brene's D for getting deliberate um, and deliberating, I think, is it can, it can go both ways, is she offers us a mantra. So when we are experiencing joy and then that foreboding joy comes over us uh it's an offer to practice this phrase she says i am feeling vulnerable it's okay and i am so grateful for and then fill in the blank with whatever you're grateful for and again that's i'm feeling vulnerable it's okay i am so grateful for and then fill in the blank and and that gratitude is going to probably stem from whatever you are scared of losing, right? Instead, it's being grateful for the fact that you have it, right? And that's what helps us really appreciate these ordinary moments. And that's why I appreciate this kind of mantra, because it gives me a chance to pause, stop, and then revisit and be like, okay, let's reframe this. Like, I'm terrified of losing this. Yes, but, and that's a very vulnerable feeling but I'm so grateful that I have it right now, 
right? And I think that's just a huge shift in the story we're telling ourselves, which, as we know from our prior episodes on just story from all of our content so far, it's important to think about the story we tell ourselves because it drastically affects our, our body and our minds. Okay, so D, what is your mantra? You can practice the Brene's, you can practice whatever you wish, but what is, what is the way that you're going to get deliberate about this? Uh, what is the, the thing that you want to start thinking about so that it becomes a red flag for you when scarcity and fear come up to be like, okay, this is my moment. This is my, my chance to practice gratitude. From there, we're moving to I. Like, what inspires us to tackle this, right? And for me, it's acknowledging the ordinary moments that gratitude highlights. All of these ordinary moments throughout my life, if I, I'm saying live, because I'm, I'm, I think I'm planning to say lives, but I end up saying life. Anyway, that's, I digress. These ordinary moments are important where I, at the end of the day, you know, cuddle with my dog before I go to sleep. Or when I wake up and I get to just enjoy a cup of coffee when I make some. Or when, like, there's just so many little, like, the, the smell and feel of freshly laundered sheets. These things that, like, we just ignore if we're not pausing to be grateful for them. If we're pausing to revel and enjoy them. And so I, I think that I want to lean into these ordinary moments more so that I can see the whole, my whole life as extraordinary, right? Because it's, that's what happens is when we embrace these ordinary moments and live into them and revel in them, they become a list of twinkle lights that make our life extraordinary. How do you get inspired? I would love to hear about it. Uh, again, um, you can always connect to us on all the social medias, BNB underscore pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a Facebook group. If you want to discuss it there, we'd love to talk about it. Finally, G, how do we get going? Uh, institute gratitude as a daily practice. And now I think it's important to realize that this can happen in multiple ways. Like some people will literally make it so that anytime they walk through a certain doorway in their house, they have to say something they're grateful for. Or... Anytime they sit down to eat a meal, they sit down and say what they're grateful for. And I think that's, again, why uh, prayer is so helpful. One of the reasons is that it's like there's a scientific reason that prayer kind of gives us something. Because often when we pray, we are saying, hey, I'm grateful for this. And that's not always what prayer does and how people practice prayer. But I think often that is how people practice prayer. And so gratitude and prayer are kind of similar. Um but instituting gratitude is a daily practice. Uh, for me, what I do is I set an alarm on my phone where it goes off every day. And before the end of the day, I have to check off all of the things on my to-do list. And gratitude is one of them. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, I was definitely grateful during this time. And sometimes it's an opportunity for me to be like, oh, I've been doing a poor job of this today. What's something that I'm grateful for? And then I reflect on my day and I think about something and it helps me. So what is it for you? What is your practice? What's a way that you can make sure that you're doing something and holding yourself accountable to actually practicing gratitude so that theoretically we are experiencing more joy as well? Okay, 
that's kind of the end of our content. Uh, next time, we will be diving into pages 113 through 119 of the 10th Anniversary Edition, which again, for anybody who's reading, is Guidepost 5 in The Gifts of Imperfection. And we'll see that where that takes us into the world of Avatar. So, if you have a cool segment idea, uh, tweet at us, Instagram us, DM us. If you have a good guest idea for Season 2 of The Legend of Korra, we are starting to uh, kind of dive into recording those episodes and planning those so feel free to send us some ideas there uh, again bnb underscore pod and then again just a reminder that we have a facebook group where we discuss the episodes talk about the avatar and all kinds of stuff so feel free to join us there as well Thank you to Brene Brown for offering us this text. I'm really grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful to learn from it and learn from, from, from Brene. And then I also want to be grateful and appreciate Alex Mayfield, Noah Blanchard, Max Gongaware, and until next time, be well and do well.